Happy Monday and welcome to Newsmax Daily for February 27th, 2023. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. On the calendar, today is International Polar Bear Day. And who doesn't love the polar bears? It's also no-brainer day, like watching Newsmax TV is a no-brainer. And National Strawberry Day, among a few other things. In Washington, President Biden returned to the White House this morning after a long weekend at his Wilmington, Delaware home. He has no events scheduled on the calendar for today outside of the daily presidential briefing. And this evening, the president and vice president will deliver remarks at a reception celebrating Black History Month. We'll talk about what's happening over on Capitol Hill in a few minutes. First, Wake Up America Weekend Edition had more on what's happening inside of the White House. Folks, America has needed some more common sense, and that's why we try to bring you a weekly dose of it. Joining us now for more, the common sense cowboy, Patrick Dorenson. Sir, welcome aboard. How you doing, Carl? Well, I'm better now that you're here. And, you know, let's talk about Jill Biden running things. Yeah, you know, I said on this program a couple of months ago that Jill Biden was the one running the White House, not Ron Klain and not Susan Rice. And it, it appears, according to Radar Online, that she is. Look, she is ruthlessly ambitious. She's like a combination of, uh, you know, Edith Wilson, Lady Macbeth, and Hillary Clinton. Um, and when I say that, you know, Edith Wilson, when, when President Wilson had a stroke in 1919, the last year of his presidency, she basically ran the White House and the country. Lady Macbeth wanted her husband to kill the King of Scotland so he could take the throne and she could become queen. And Hillary Clinton, well, she thought if... You know, Bill was president. She pushed him into that, and she figured that she could move from the first lady's office to the Oval Office. The problem with that was that Bill was a randy old hound dog who was tough to keep on the porch, and that kind of hurt her chances. I don't think that's the only thing that ruined Hillary's chances. Well, you love Wake Up America every morning with Rob Finnerty, right? Make sure you catch the weekend edition of Wake Up America with Carl Higby Saturday and Sundays at 7 a.m. Eastern. The big story in Washington and among the talking heads over the weekend continued to be the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine and concerns over China. We all recognize that if we abandon Ukraine, we abandon the U.N. Charter itself and the principles and rules that make all countries safer and more secure. We must not let President Putin's callous indifference to human life become our own. That's Secretary of State Antony Blinken speaking at the U.N. Security Council. Saturday, Ukrainian Defense Secretary Yuri Sachs spoke with Newsmax's America Right Now. Yuri, thank you for joining us uh, on the program again on this somber anniversary. Please, first off, uh, reflect on, on this past year and, and give us some of your thoughts about the troops, about your troops, the folks who have defended Ukraine and, and so far beaten the odds. Thank you, Tom. And, uh, you know, great to be on your show again. Indeed, it's, it is a very somber anniversary. And I'd like to start by saying that we will do everything possible and impossible to make sure that this is the last anniversary. We don't want to have another anniversary like this a year from now. If we look back at the last 12 months, what we will see that Russia, this terrorist state, the aggressor, at first they wanted to break the Ukrainian people through fear. They failed. Then they wanted to break the alliance of three nations using the strategy of fear. They failed. 
because the Western allies of Ukraine are still standing with us in this freedom war and we are standing strong. So after, mm -hmm. after the Russians have failed in all their strategies of fear, they have failed to break the Ukrainian people's will. They have failed, you know, on every count on the battlefield. They are now hoping that they can outlast us. They are hoping that they can outsuffer us. And when I say us, I mean, of course, all of us. They are hoping that they can continue with their plan of, you know, destruction of Ukraine as a country, reduction of NATO as alliance, and resurrection of the Russian evil empire. You know, the same empire mm -hmm. that was fought against uh, on a political and diplomatic level by so many American presidents in the past. So looking yeah. back, we understand that this was a year of destruction and uh, tragedy for our country. But we are almost confident that this year will be a year of victory for us and for the coalition of free nations around the world with the U.S. leadership, of course. U.S. leadership? Well, Texas Senator Ted Cruz says U.S. leadership, President Biden specifically, his weakness is what caused the war and the growing China-Russia alliance. Cruz spoke with Chris Salcedo back on Friday. Take a listen. All right, and here he is, the only conservative senator from the great state of Texas, a man I am proud to call my senator, Senator Ted Cruz. Always fantastic to see you, sir. Uh, look, I agree with your assessment on the stupidity of the, the Biden regime and those he surrounds himself with uh, for various reasons. Tell me what stands out for you. Well, listen, when it comes to foreign policy, Joe Biden has managed for over two years now to get everything exactly backwards. Uh, he has managed to alienate and abandon our friends and allies and simultaneously to show weakness and to show appeasement to our enemies. You look at every region of the world, it's gotten worse. Our enemies have gotten stronger. America is weaker. And, and the reason is simple. When you have a commander in chief who is fundamentally weak, you look at uh, roughly a year ago, a little more than a year ago now, Biden's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, his surrender to the Taliban. That that. When that happened, every enemy of America looked to Washington, looked to the Oval Office. They took a measure of the man, and they concluded the commander-in-chief was weak and feckless and ineffective. That was a major cause of the war in Ukraine. As you were just playing there, that's a clip from the podcast I put out every week, Verdict with Ted Cruz. Uh, this week, we did a deep dive into Ukraine, explaining what's going on there and, and the degree to which Joe Biden personally caused this war. Why? Because he personally waived the sanctions that had been put in place on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. I authored those sanctions. I wrote that legislation. Donald Trump signed them into law. And Joe Biden, when he came into office, waived those sanctions. He let Putin build the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which enables him to get natural gas to Europe without going through Ukraine. And the immediate next step Putin did was to invade Ukraine. And so if Biden had just found the guts to stand up to Russia, to stand up to Putin at the outset, we wouldn't have this war. And I got to tell you, even mm. now, a year into the war, there's an incoherence in how Biden is approaching it, because the Biden administration is literally funding both sides of this war. 
Biden is obviously wow. sending billions Income. of dollars to Zelensky in Ukraine, but he's also refusing to enforce sanctions against Iran. He's allowing the Ayatollah to sell a million barrels a day of oil, and that revenue is going to Iranian drones that the Russians are using to kill Ukrainians. So both sides are being funded by Biden. It makes no sense. If you're new to Newsmax, Chris Salcedo takes on both political parties and the extreme left weekday afternoons at 4 o'clock Eastern on The Chris Salcedo Show. And one of the other big talkers over the weekend, at least among Republicans and most of the media, continues to be what's happening or not happening in East Palestine, Ohio. Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe on Saturday report. Is it a little too late uh, for Buttigieg and the Biden administration in supporting the people of East Palestine. Even when Buttigieg went there, he seemed so disconnected. He seemed so out of touch. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because you can just tell from his body language by watching that video feed that you just showed that he's completely, he doesn't care, that clearly somebody told him he had to go. And so he's just, you know, punching that little that little box and show, okay, I'm going to show up, but I clearly don't care about being here and I'm going to act like I care and I'll talk to people for, you know, 10, 15 minutes and then I'm going to leave. Um, 40 days later, I mean, it's clear that this administration doesn't care about the people of Ohio. They care more about the people uh, in Ukraine. They care more about the Chinese Communist Party. They care more about uh, not putting America first, which shows you by Trump going there that he has always put America first. And it's interesting that the day after suddenly Pete Buttigieg thinks that he has to come and be like, all right, well, somebody from the administration is going to have to show up because Trump showed up and showed that he actually cared. And oh, by the way, Trump brought actual supplies and aid and things that the people in the community needed. And FEMA to this day, despite uh, members of Congress asking them to get engaged here, is refusing to, to uh, respond to the needs of that community. You know, how much do you think that President Trump indeed did force uh, the mayor's hand? Because even like the day before, he was asked by a reporter a couple questions about it. And he, remember, he told the reporter, it was a reporter from Daily Caller, uh, I need some me time. He seemed not even interested in going. And then lo and behold, President Trump is going and somehow he has this epiphany. Yeah, and it just, I mean, just shows you that this administration doesn't care. If this was New York, or California or a Democratic stronghold, they would have been there the next day. They would have been pledging millions and hundreds of millions of dollars. But because this is a Republican area and a Republican state, they could care less about what's going on there because ultimately they don't care about the majority of Americans and uh, they care more about their leftist uh, progressive ideology than they do about the American people. That's Florida Congressman Greg Stubbe, an Iraq war veteran, on Saturday report with Rita Cosby. So today on Capitol Hill, the House Oversight Committee is demanding answers on the derailment after sending a letter to Secretary Pete Buttigieg back on Friday. And the committee is also demanding answers from the Bidens after Hunter Biden and Joe's brother James missed the deadline last week to hand over documents related to Biden family businesses. Congressman James Comer chairs the committee and spoke with Spicer and Company. Chairman Comer joins us now. Sir... That deadline came and went, so what happens now? Well, we're showing to the courts that we're making every effort to uh, give the Biden family an opportunity to respond to our reasonable request. They continue to deny, so uh, we're setting things up to take the next step. Uh, and the good news is that other people that we've requested information from in the Biden network 
they are complying with our request. They are communicating with our lawyers. And I do feel like we're going to get the overwhelming majority of information that we're requesting pertaining to the Biden family influence peddling from everyone except the Bidens. Wait, is okay. a subpoena the yeah? Is Let's this- talk about that because actually one of the major twists in this investigation is this longtime business partner of the Biden family, Eric Schweiner, I believe, who says that he is going to give your committee documents. Um, I mean, how big of a deal is this that you have somebody who's been a trusted advisor or partner who is willing to assist in this investigation? It's a big deal because he's the one that uh, is mentioned several times in the emails. Uh, He's the one that communicated with Hunter Biden that his father, then Vice President Joe Biden's Delaware tax refund came in the mail, and he was just going to go ahead and take that check and deposit it into then Vice President Biden's account and turn around and write a check from Vice President Biden to his son Hunter. So this shows lots of things. It showed that uh, this individual, Mr. Eric Sherwin, had access to both Biden accounts. One of the questions that we have about the bank accounts, were these co-mingled with Joe Biden? Because remember, at the end of the day, this is an investigation of Joe Biden. So uh, this witness is a key witness and having his cooperation is a big deal. We're also going to have some others uh, that are going to come in next week. They've scheduled to to sit down and talk to us uh, that were involved in several other of the Biden family influence schemes. So uh, this investigation's made a lot of progress in the last 48 hours. So there you go. The wheels are well in motion on the Republicans' investigation into the Bidens. But, you know, in Washington, the wheels move a lot slower than in real life. And be sure to catch Spicer and company with former White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer and Lindsey Keith weekdays at 5 o'clock Eastern, right before the record with Greta Van Susteren. And you may have seen this trending over the weekend. A Virginia Tech soccer player received more than $100,000 in a court settlement after She sued the coach of the team, and she said benched her because she wouldn't kneel with the rest of the team during the national anthem. Kirsten Henning played for the Hokies from 2018 to 2020. She filed a lawsuit against her head coach at the time, accusing him of benching her due to her decision not to kneel with the team during the national anthem before matches, claiming discrimination by the coach when she was invoking her First Amendment right as a U.S. citizen. 100,000 plus. Great story. And it is worth noting that she was not the only player on the team that refused to kneel as well. And trending today, a new Republican voter poll out of Michigan as the race between former President Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis continues to heat up, even as Ron DeSantis hasn't even officially announced that he's running. The poll shows about 40% of the Republican primary voters siding with DeSantis. A hypothetical nine-candidate poll conducted by WPA Intelligence with 1,000 verified GOP primary voters between February 13th and 16th. The Florida governor had a nine-point lead over Trump who received the backing of 31% of respondents. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who announced her candidacy earlier this month, was a distant third with 8% support. So again, DeSantis 40, Trump 31, Nikki Haley 8, and about 8% of the respondents also favored former Vice President Mike Pence. 
quick reminder, if you are not already watching Newsmax TV, you can find it on most major cable systems as well as platforms like Roku, Amazon, Pluto, and others. And if you have AT&T or another provider that doesn't carry Newsmax, make sure you call them up and tell them you want Newsmax. And be sure to get the Newsmax TV app so you can watch your favorite shows like Wake Up America, Spicer and Company, National Report, American Agenda, and others anywhere, anytime you want. Thank you for listening to Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow. In the meantime, keep fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.